and I thought that was a fun callback to butterflies and moths and how they are not the same thing. I will not forgive Starling for calling them the same thing. What's poppin' y'all? Welcome to Post Finale. I am your host, Ankit Madeira. I'm an actor and a musician who hasn't seen a lot of films, so to make my friends happy and potentially provide a new perspective on some popular films, I am on a quest to change that. Now, this episode is slightly different because I completely forgot and lost track of time while we were recording, so this episode, we're just going to jump straight into it, and I am once again joined by our guest from last episode, Matt Dixon, who's a hypnotherapist and a lovely person, but we're just going to jump straight into the episode, and I hope you all enjoy. So, we are now with Sterling in Belvedere, Ohio. I've never been to Belvedere, Ohio. I've been to other places in Ohio, but... Me either. In Ohio or Belvedere in specific? Belvedere. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming it looks like this. I hope that it at least used to look like this in the 90s. I have no idea. So, one thing that I did realize, though, when this kind of came up, is that this film has a lot of locations. Like, physical, real-world locations that they're filming. Because... You know, it's a lot of stuff filmed in neighborhoods, a lot of stuff filmed outdoors, and I'm not sure how much of it could really just be a studio that they're filming in. Which, you know, obviously some of it is going to be studios. I would take a guess that if I were to take a guess, the, what's it called, the prison where Hannibal is kept in Baltimore could have potentially been a set that was specifically created. But... Also, that also could have been a real place. I have no idea. But it was just something that when I see a film like this where a lot of stuff is done outdoors, it's all filming on location. And personally, I like those films a lot more because, you know, you're just using real places rather than just studios all the time or green screens all the time. So that's something more interesting. Didn't even occur to me. That's fair enough. Yeah, Pretty cool. I mean, a lot of people don't think about it. I also don't always think about it. It just popped out in this film. Like, you know, obviously every film that you watch is going to have multiple locations of filming. But mm-hmm. it was just something that came into my mind during this one. But Belvedere, Ohio, it's a small town and there are train tracks in the back of the town, small homes with large front porches and yards what looks like a small town in Ohio in the 90s, I guess. But Sterling meets Mr. Bimmel, and he takes her to take a look at Frederica's room and home because Frederica's Frederica's full name is Frederica Bimmel, so she went to go meet her father. So Frederica caught the bus to go see about a job. We learn all of this from Mr. Bimmel, that Frederica caught a bus to go see about a job And she left the interview okay, but then she never came home. And that the bedroom is just how she left it. And it's a small room with white and gray wallpaper with little trees on it. 
She has books and pictures on her desks, photos of Frederica and dad with a dove. And then we zoom in on a photo of Frederica and someone else with a cat. But this someone else doesn't look like it's Buffalo Bill. It's some other female that we've just never met. Probably just one of her friends. And then Starling notices a little chest with a dancing ballerina inside one of those dancing ballerina chests that people had a lot, at least still when I was growing up. I don't know if they're still popular now, but I remember, I think my sister had one as well like that. But behind the dancing ballerina, Starling rips it open and we see photos and they're Polaroids of Buffalo Bill dressing as a woman. Which was very interesting. And I was like, okay, so Starling's hunch is right. Buffalo Bill did know the first girl. So, great, we're on the right track. But then I also had the thought, shouldn't this room be dustier if the bedroom is exactly how Frederica left it? I don't know. I just feel like it should be. Um, Likely. There's a... Guy goes in to dust it, I guess, to keep it up. He doesn't move anything, or if he does, he puts it exactly where it was. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It was just a fun, silly thought that I had. But (laughs) then we have a cat, another lovely cat, and it meows very loudly to get Starling's attention. And I would just like to point out that if it wasn't for this cat, the plot of this film would not move forward. And Starling wouldn't find out what she's about to find out. The cat's a very important character. Yep. Don't think ill of the cat. So she notices a mannequin in the room and the door behind it. And inside there are a bunch of dresses. And the dress that's on the door has the same diamond shapes that were on the body that was found in the river earlier in the film. And so Starling calls Crawford. It all clicks for her, you know. And she tells him he's making a dress out of women. That's why he keeps them alive, to starve them, to get the elasticity in the skin. That part, ugh. I didn't realize that's why he keeps them alive, to get the elasticity. I mean, we already knew that he was making a dress out of women because we've seen it. And we've seen what he's doing in the little clips. But, yeah, that's, that's rough. That's wild. I just thought in the beginning, I just thought he was fattening them up and or in wanting them to treat their skin with lotion. Yeah, no, I mean, he's what having them put lotion on their skin because he needs it to be moist for him to be able to then use as fabric like, oh, all types of terrible, all types of disturbing. But so Crawford says that they are on their way and that they know who he is. I was like, you will be wrong. If uh, watching these, you know, cop shows have taught me anything, you will be wrong. Starling will be right. And apparently this guy is on the edge of Chicago. They're going to be there in 45 minutes. And Johns Hopkins came up with the name Jamie Grum, a.k.a. John Grant, And Hannibal's description was accurate, just not his name. And 
custom stopped him two years ago at LAX because he had some live caterpillars. The addressee was Jane Gum. So, you know, they have all the right details. But that doesn't mean that they have the right place. Mm Mm-hmm. So Crawford then tells Starling to stay in Belvedere, see what you can dig up. And they also, and then he also does say, we couldn't find him without you. Nobody will forget that, least of all him. Which was a very just nice touching moment where he was just given her, her credit. Like, you know, you did it. Like, we couldn't have gotten this far without you. Thank you. Yes. Which shows a little bit of growth in him as well. In Crawford. Yes. So, yeah. So then we cut back and we're back with Catherine. And Catherine has been given some scraps and she's tying a rope to a few bones and a bucket. And the dog kind of notices this and Buffalo Bill can't hear because he is blasting music and getting ready. Mm-hmm. And. It is a wild scene that Buffalo Bill's doing. It's a fun home video of him playing dress up and saying, will you fuck me? I'd fuck me. Yeah, that's that's one of the more quoted from uh, from my day. My, my OK, yeah. yeah, it's not one, not one that I've heard quoted before. So, yeah. <laughs> but so Catherine I'm like, is Catherine trying to get the dog in the bucket to then mm-hmm. say dog's life or my life? And I'm like, fair play to her if that's what she's trying to do. But also, why do you have to just bring a cute, adorable little dog into this? Exactly. Like, the dog is innocent. Yeah. The dog has done nothing. But apparently this is what Catherine's trying to do. She almost succeeds, but Precious the dog, pulls away at the very last minute and pulls back. And it just, we do then also see from Buffalo Bill that he has almost completed his full suit. I think he just has his head left to do. And then his suit is complete. Which also just makes you realize like how many killings he has really done. Which is terrible. Yeah. It's just the thought of of wearing skin. Ugh. It's just awful. I just... Yep. So gross. I think that's what differentiates us between, you know, the serial killer known as Buffalo Bill. Um, <laughs> we don't want to wear skin. He does. pretty pretty straightforward distinction (laughs) so starling meets with frederica's friend who is in the cat picture and asks if frederica ever mentioned the name jamie gum or john grant nope and then we also learn from the friend that sewing was frederica's life and they used to help out this lovely lady called Mrs. Lipman. Cool. Sure. This is the information we have. I feel like Lipman's going to be the next place that we go. So then we cut back. We're in 
Calumet City, Illinois. And we see Buffalo Bill tending to his bugs and the SWAT team getting into place. And Precious is trying to bark to get his attention. And I was like, okay, what's going on? Turns out, I was right. Precious is now in the well with Catherine. Which, props to Catherine, but again, why'd you have to bring the poor little dog into this? I don't appreciate that. So, Catherine asks for a telephone in the bucket, and Precious is in a lot of pain. She broke her leg on the fall. Buffalo Bill yells at her, don't hurt the dog. And he's pissed. He's punching stuff around the house, and he goes and gets a gun. Meanwhile, while this whole interaction is happening, SWAT is getting set up. And the SWAT team has a guy who's posed as a delivery driver to go to the front door. Which, smart enough. Like, you know, don't just break in. Like, you know, make sure that this is the right place before you bust in. Because you have the wrong place. But, you know, we digress. So, Buffalo Bill is surprised when the doorbell goes off. Because probably nobody ever comes to the door. But he does go and answer the door. And it is not our delivery driver friend. It's Starling. Mm -hmm. That was not a twist that I saw coming. You know, like I said, when I first saw it, I was, I was in my 20s. I was a complete chimpanzee back then, so all of that stuff worked on me. But yeah, it's, it's, it's still even in rewatching it, it's still kind of... It shows so good, you know, with the writing and everything and the pacing. It, it, you know, you kind of lose yourself a little bit, you know, every time... I kind of lose myself a little bit every time I see it, so... That sort of, you know, pulls me a little bit each time, actually. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I mean, I figured the FBI had the wrong place, but I just didn't expect Starling to stumble upon there looking for Lipman. Hmm. But very well done. Apparently, Lipman doesn't live here anymore. And Starling says that, you know, they really need to speak with him because they're investigating the death of Frederica B- Bimmel. And so, meanwhile, the SWAT team. They find an empty house, and that's when Crawford realizes that Clarice is in trouble. And I was like, aha. Well, at least Crawford has a brain where he's like, we're not in the right place. She's in the right place. So, you know, props to that. And then Buffalo Bill says that his name is Jack Gordon. I don't know if that was one of the aliases that we heard earlier. I don't think it was, because I had Jamie Gunn and John Grant. But he introduced himself as Jack Gordon, so that's another new name that we haven't heard before. Okay. Ah, all right. Maybe that's his real name, and then Jamie or uh, Jamie Gunn or John Grant was his, like, alias to get the bugs into the country or whatever. Jamie Gunn sounds like uh, a great name for a guy in a hair metal band. <laughs> yeah, that's a good name. That's up there. So, but he does say that he remembers that he read in the paper about Frederica's debt. I 
Yes. And Lipman had a son. He has the card somewhere. And I was like, oh, he's Lipman's son. No, he isn't. But I thought he was. He's not. So, uh, but Buffalo Bill invites Starling in while he looks for the son's card. And I think it was very smart of Starling that she was like, I need to get into this house. I think she could have some, she had a sense Mm -hmm. that she had to get in. She couldn't figure out why. But she had a gut feeling and she followed that gut. Yeah. So we then have a beautiful shot outside and Buffalo Bill says he bought the house two years ago and asks if Lipman left any records. Don't think so. But Mm -hmm. the house is quite messy and Starling then sees a bug and I think that's the moment that she realizes this is the real Buffalo Bill. I'm not sure exactly what type of bug she sees, but she does see one on like the flowers or plants that he has upstairs. And that's kind of like the trigger where she know she knows that she's in the right place. Wasn't that one of his uh, moss or? Um... I didn't think it was a moth, oh. but it did seem like it was like an exotic bug. Okay. That and and her um and her her instinct and how creepy he was. Like, exactly. I think all of yeah. it combined, she realized I'm in the I have the right guy like this is Buffalo Bill. Mm-hmm. So Buffalo Bill then asks, as he's still flipping through these cards, if the FBI has learned anything and Starling says they have no description, nothing, which I don't know. How that's true. I mean, this one is kind of on Buffalo Bill for not knowing what the FBI's got. Because let's Mm. be honest, Chilton just did an entire interview about it. Like, the information's there. You just didn't care. You just thought you were invincible. So this one's on Buffalo Bill for not knowing. Exactly. He should have done his research on who is trying to catch him. But as she says this, Starling unclasps her gun and we see buffalo bill's gun we see buffalo bill's gun is on the stove in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and then that they are in a different room so buffalo bill then gives starling the number and then starling asks if she can use the telephone and then starling pulls the gun tells buffalo bill to freeze and buffalo bill just smiles starts putting his hands up and then runs to the basement Mm -hmm. So, the chase is on. Hello, and welcome to the intermission. I hope you're all enjoying this episode. If you would like to support the show in a monetary way, gain access to some bonus content, you can do so. Head over to patreon.com slash postfinale, and different tiers will get you different types of bonus content and i appreciate anyone who wants to do this thank you so much all the money that is made from the patreon will go directly back into the show to make this a better show and i thank all of you that will do it and anyone that does sign up will get a special shout out on the show if you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way that is great as well i completely understand that not everyone can help out in a monetary way and that's okay Thank you so much for just listening to this episode. Please tune in to next week's episode as well. We will be back next week. 
And I hope you were enjoying the episodes. Please leave us a review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app you're using. All of that helps. And talk about us on social media. Our tag is at PostFinalePod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Be sure, talk about the show, tweet at us. If you have thoughts, anything, just let us know. If you want to send us an email, you can do so, PostFinalePod at gmail.com. I will respond to any email that I get. It just might take me some time, but I promise I will respond to you and get that back to you. But thank you so much, and let us get back into this episode where we finish up the last little bit of the silence of the lamps. Here we go. Yeah, I think Starling does a very good job of getting into here, and I think she does a very good job of trusting her gut as well once she's in the house as well stuff like this like uh i get you know i guess it's the writing of course the writing is so good you know you you you'd like to think that you'd make a good fbi agent or something or detective and then you, you you'll see something in in a movie that you'd miss and then i just every now and then I'll, I'll watch something like that and i'll think like oh man wait wait I feel kind of dumb that i didn't catch that and then I realize, like, oh, that's just that's the writing. That's what the that's what they're trying to do. You know what I mean? That just makes it just a an all all around great experience. Yeah, definitely. Plus, imagine you know that character is she's she's small and she's female, which you know, hearing that in twenty twenty three sounds like a really uh, a sexist remark, but back then. You know, it would have, it would have really been something she was would have been, you know, present with. Well, we also talked about this where we see very few females in this entire film. We see Starling, her mm-hmm. friend at the FBI, who we see for maybe thirty seconds to a minute of screen time. The senator, who has maybe two and a half minutes of screen time in that scene Mm -hmm. but hannibal has the power in that scene yeah mm -hmm. good point yeah and then every other female that we see is pretty much a victim of buffalo bill yeah yeah it's also just the world that we're looking at Exactly. Where it does make sense that she's been put down a lot. She has comments about that as well. Mm-hmm. She says it earlier in the film where Crawford tells her when they went to West Virginia to see the body, where like they shouldn't talk about this in front of a woman. Right. She calls Crawford out. She's like, Look, people look up to you. You can't be the one doing that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. And and she was obviously you know, very scared, you know, while she was there, she was shaking and everything, which is probably what gave a Buffalo Bill the, the confidence to just wiggle away and leave. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I think also I'd probably be pretty scared as well. Cause she knows that backup's going to be on the way. Cause she also is smart enough to know that Crawford has probably put together that she's in trouble if they have the wrong place. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she doesn't know when they're going to get here. 
Right, right. She's in Ohio. Like, yeah, a SWAT team can come, but also what's the closest big city to Belvedere, Ohio? Mm-hmm. We, I don't know off the top of my head. So, like, where's the closest SWAT team? Because I'm going to go on a wild guess that Belvedere, Ohio doesn't have a SWAT team located in it. What constitutes having a SWAT team in terms of population, but it's a good point. Well, it's about to get creepy, though, huh? It's about to get creepy because the chase is on. So Starling starts to follow carefully. She opens the door that leads into the basement. She finds his room with the skin suit and a bunch of other costumes. And then we start to hear Catherine yelling from down the well. Starling keeps slowly making her way through. She finally finds the room that Catherine is in. And Starling says she'll be right back, but has to leave the room right now. Mm -hmm. Catherine is obviously saying, get me out of here. Get me out of here. You can't leave me here. And I'm like, yeah, she's losing it. And I'm like, hey, Catherine, like, I get it. You've been through a lot, you know, but also she kind of has to get rid of Buffalo Bill or else you're both going to die. So just sit tight. She'll be with you in like 10 minutes. You know, Catherine's almost kind of like a, almost kind of like a dog herself in that, in that she's resourceful, but like a very emotional with, you know, like a being scared. Like, don't leave me. Don't leave me. You know, I have dogs and when they're scared, they, they just like, they, they cling to you and you, you want to leave and then they're, you know, and they, and, uh, you know, I think that probably came out worse than I wanted to, but <laughs> <laughs> that kind of made me think of that. Cause I was just thinking about the dog and my own dogs and okay. Anyway, sorry. The idea was a good one. <laughs> Execution seven out of 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'll flush that out. <laughs> flush out the analogy. We'll get back to you if we have a better yeah. one. <laughs> so, Starling then enters the bug room, and I'm like, where is this guy hiding? I have no idea. How big is this basement? Where is he hiding? And then she turns into another room, and she sees a body filled with a tub of some brown or red substance, and then the mm-hmm. lights go immediately off. Mm hmm. I was very intrigued on what was happening in that tub. We never found out. I'm pretty so, sure that's lie. Okay. L-Y-E, that, uh, that's what, it dissolves stuff, and people use it to make soap and dissolve stuff. Is it's, it just it's, that easily available? Lie? Or was I it? So. I, I, yeah, um, any farm and home supply. You can probably get a big a big uh, bag of it and you mix it with, I think you mix it with water. It's used to uh like you can use it to clean a cast iron pan. Like a really, really old one that's got you know, years of, of stuff cooked on on it. You stick it in life for, you know, a day or two and it just dissolves it right off. Huh. Yeah, so okay. I think it I think it dissolves organic matter. Which is why uh, would you know the 
food that's cooked on a pan and we get rid of that and then um it's 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 known to be used to dissolve bodies <laughs> to put it that way so that's likely what it was yeah it makes sense he's dissolving a body that that tracks with serial killer tendencies mm-hmm so the lights have gone off and then Buffalo Bill is using his night vision goggles and he can see Starling, but she can't see him despite him being right there. And Starling is feeling around trying to, you know, figure out her way in the dark, fumbling around. And mm-hmm. Buffalo Bill is slowly inching closer and closer and he's getting up behind her. He almost touches her a couple of times. The music is building. Starling's panting becomes louder and louder. Mm. We see Buffalo Bill raise his gun slowly and then cock it. Yeah. Right when he cocks it, Starling turns and fires, hitting Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill misses slightly on his shot, and then Buffalo Bill is dead. Yeah. And his blood is on his lips like lipstick yeah which i thought was very cool and then we see a wind chime it's not exactly like a wind chime but it's like one of those wind decoration things and it has one yellow butterfly on one side and then a butterfly and a moth on the other side and it's just spinning and i thought that was a fun callback to butterflies and moths and how they are not the same thing, I will not forgive Starling for calling them the same thing. That's sort of a, a, a typical, um, a typical I don't know, confusion or something that people will say, like, like alligators and crocodiles. I wonder exactly. if that was... Yeah, yeah. It, okay. I, I get it. A lot of people are going to get them confused. They're very similar, but they're not the same. But I thought that that whole scene in the dark especially... Very cool, very well shot that it was our perspective was Buffalo Bill's perspective. I thought that was very interesting. Mm -hmm. Very much. And honestly, that was kind of the only perspective that you could do because everywhere else was pitch black. So if you didn't do night vision perspective, then I would have been taken out of it immediately. But. How vulnerable did that scene feel too? Oh, so vulnerable. Like. Him trying to touch her and how close he got to her face, how close he got to her hair, and then was pulling back at the last minute. Incredible. Yeah. So, the rest of the team has finally then shows up, and they save Catherine, who's still holding on tight to Precious. I hope that she takes Precious to go get Precious's leg fixed and then takes Precious home, because... Precious is precious and deserves a good home. I would say, yeah, I agree with you. But I would also... Precious was living uh, her best life. I think that Oh, was I'm not saying that Buffalo for... Bill was bad to Precious. Precious had a great time with Buffalo Bill in terms of... She got pampered. Yeah, and then got to be around dead stuff all the time. Dogs yeah, love I don't... Do they actually... <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. Okay. Mine didn't. Well, okay, maybe he did. But, yeah, I know cats love dead stuff because they bring back mice and birds as presents. But Anyone who thinks that they're uh, a certain dog or a certain breed of dog, like a, you know, like a Shih Tzu or a 
you know, whatever whatever Precious was is uh you know is wimpy or something, put a put a rabbit in front of it and watch what happens. Okay. Tear it apart. The predators. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, like dogs are predators. They descended from wolves. So my Shih Tzu uh, eats little uh, naked moles if he finds them, and it's disgusting. <laughs> okay. And he looks like a Pixar character. I mean, he's the cutest thing you've ever seen. Your your but... little dog. Yeah, yeah. Oh. He was here. I put my camera for you, but. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> He's around. He's somewhere in the home. <laughs> so Crawford then finds Starling, asks if she's okay. Something about gunpowder, it became inaudible. Do you know what they were saying right there? No. Mm-mm. Great. I don't either. Moving on. So she gets her badge officially, so she graduates. And I'm like, I like how she did all of this while she was still technically a student. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> kidding. No benefits. So the friend is more proud than anyone, except for maybe Crawford, who's kind of lurking in the back. And at the banquet, we see our bug friends from DC as well. So there is some type of relationship there. I don't know if it's a you know, a romantic one, or if they're just old friends, like maybe they became friends at the orphanage and then just stayed friends. Who knows? We don't know that backstory. But I'm sure that there's some type of relationship. They're there to celebrate Starlink getting and passing, as well as her friend. Yeah. So then her friend comes up and says, there's a phone call for you. Before she goes and gets that phone call, Crawford congratulates Starling and says that he's going to duck out. He doesn't like these things. I get it. Big mm-hmm. parties, sometimes they're not that much fun. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So they awkwardly shake hands, and Crawford says that your father would have been proud. And then Starling goes to get her phone, and she's feeling good about herself, as she should. And guess who's on the phone? It's our friend Hannibal. We have kind of forgotten about him. Welcome back, our friend. And he asks if the lambs have stopped screaming. Starling doesn't answer this, and I'm like, I, I, I want to know, though, did the lambs stop screaming? Like, did you silence the lambs like the poster said? Like, what happened? Do we get an answer? No, she just leaves it open-ended. Doesn't answer the question. So rude. <laughs> but <laughs> Hannibal says that the world is more interesting with her in it. He won't mm-hmm. come for her. He mm-hmm. hopes that she can do the same. Mm-hmm. Starling is like, Hannibal, you know I can't promise you that. Like, you know mm-hmm. I cannot do that. And Hannibal mm-hmm. says he wishes they could chat longer, but he's having an old friend for dinner. And then he hangs up. And the old friend is Chilton. And the movie yeah. ends with Chilton and his mate walking down the path, somewhere tropical, and Hannibal is following them close behind. He's just completely obliv- oblivious to anything outside himself, Chilton. He's just, that character is all ego. It's so great. It's wonderful. He's mm-hmm. very well written, a very well written character. Yeah. I know I should feel bad that Chilton is about to die, but also, I don't care for him as a character. Who could possibly like a character like that, right? 
I'd love uh, to play a character like that. Like, that sounds like a very fun character to play. That's very cathartic in movies that uh, characters (laughs) like Chilton get to die in a horrible way. (laughs) I mean, hey, he's dying in a horrible way, but if you have to try to find the silver lining, at least he's being nutrition for someone else in his death. You just know that Hannibal tortured the shit out of him because he hated him so much. Because other than Mig, he he just it was the the just the antithesis of it's exact. He embodied everything that Hannibal hated. Yeah, intellectual dishonesty and you know all of that crassness. Yeah, yeah. but so that's the end of the film. Very interesting film. I see why it did so well. The acting, phenomenal. Just some quick statistics on how this film did and how it's viewed kind of in the world. So it has an 8.6 on IMDb out of 10, and it has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's ranked number 23 on IMDb's top 250 list. It had 70 wins in 51 nominations. I'm not quite sure how that math worked out on the IMDb page. I also may have read that wrong, but if not, and if I did read that right, very well done on 70 wins on only 51 nominations. Movie (laughs) math. (laughs) And so that year, the movie came out in 1991. So I don't know if it was the 1991 Oscars or 1992 Oscars, because it depends on when it came out in the year but anthony hopkins won best actor and jodie foster won best actress in both the oscars and the baftas and then in at the oscars they also won best picture they also won best director with jonathan deem i hope i'm pronouncing his last name right very sorry if i am not and they also got won the oscar for best screenplay based previously unpublished material. So, very, very highly regarded film. I know that it is considered a classic. I know that a lot of films took inspiration from this film, both in um, the how to pictureize things and the cinematography of it, as well as the storyline aspects a little bit and just how mm-hmm. to incorporate all of that. But one thing... I don't know if I would classify it as a horror film. Yeah. But also, I don't know what horror is. I'm not... I'm gonna go and say, like, this is, like I said earlier, I think one of the first horror films that I've ever seen, or at least in recent memory that I've seen. So I don't fully know, but I don't know if I would classify this as horror, at least in my mind. Maybe horror, uh... If you if you can define horror as a movie that gives you nightmares, maybe maybe it qualifies. <laughs> I don't know. I know it gave some people nightmares. Fair. I slept pretty okay after watching this one, all things considered. It was disturbing. It wasn't that bad. Like, for me, it kind of felt more like a cop drama that just was very dark. Well, if you if you consider the time... It was uh, done in there. Uh, you know, there was there was no Internet. People just weren't exposed 
to this kind of thing, you know, so much. You had to you had to go see a movie to to see it. Sure. You, you know what I mean? And, and so it was a uh, it was an investment investment of time and an effort to to be exposed to stuff like that. The part where you know the Buffalo Bills got the night vision goggles, and he's towering over Jodie Foster. So if you're a small person who identifies as a female and a female, you know, identifiable body back then, mm-hmm. that would the idea of a large man behind you can see you and you can't see them. That would that could give you nightmares. Of the yeah, I mean, there's a lot of nightmare fuel in the in the film. Don't get me wrong. So much nightmare fuel. But yeah, fantastic film. I definitely see... I see why it's held in such high regard. And I know I've said this about every film that I've watched so far on this podcast. I would recommend it. I, If you get queasy very easy, watch it with a friend. Would be my recommendation. Don't watch it alone. But, yeah, it's a very interesting film. I'm sure at some point I'll watch a film that I don't recommend people watch. But who knows? I'm sure we'll get there one day. Wonderful. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining today. Uh, If people want to find you on the internet, how do they do so? How can they follow what you do? You can search Matt Dixon, D-I-C-K-S-O-N, hypnotist or hypnotherapy on facebook and my my website will um uh is is changing names uh to st louis hypnotherapy.com lovely well and i will make sure that i leave links in the description as well to both of those but matt thank you so much for joining listeners thank you so much for listening and until next time i'll catch y'all later thank you Ankit. i enjoyed it thank you Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Post Finale. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Ankit Madeira. I also run the social media and edited this episode. The music is by Ankit Madeira and Megan Hutchison, and the art is by Jared Rother. If you would like to support the show and get access to some bonus content, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash postfinale. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at PostFinalePod on all three platforms. And if you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, tell the friend about a show. Reach out and say, hey, you love movies, or I've been trying to get you to watch movies. 
Check out this new podcast. Talk about us on social media. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app you are using to listen to the show. All of these things help, and I appreciate all of you that have done this already and all of you that will do this in the future. But I'm just thankful that you joined us for this episode, and I hope you join us next week as we finish up our discussion on the silence of the lambs. And until then, I'll catch y'all later.